You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Thank you for coming today, and it's a pleasure for me to be here again. I have come to love Birmingham, so thank you for um, inviting me back. Um, my, my remarks today and tomorrow are going to focus on the theme, Seeing is Not Believing, and I believe the ushers have provided you with a visual aid, and I hope that um, you will be able to utilize this um, positively uh, today and tomorrow. Um, I conceive of tomorrow as part two of, of my reflections today. As we begin our Lenten journey, I'd like to use my time with you today and tomorrow to reflect on two events that frame Easter week, events that I believe are good to keep in mind throughout this season. These events offer what I believe to be an important principle that can guide our Lenten journey, a principle to which, as an art critic and curator, I am especially sensitive. Seeing is not believing. As an art historian, I deal with a particular creative cultural practice that is inherently and inextricably visual. However, I am also struck by the focus in the New Testament on the deceptiveness of sight. Jesus and Paul warn us that seeing is not believing. They contrast sight with belief. Our sight leads us astray leads us towards idolatry, seduces us with appearances of beauty, power, and wealth. With such negative associations attached to the visual, what is a poor art historian to do? Let me suggest to you that a work of art is more than visual. It asks us to look and to look closely, but to do so more deeply perhaps differently, asking us to look with the eyes of our hearts, as Paul writes in his letter to the Ephesians. I'd like you to look at the image of Jado's entry into Jerusalem. It is this panel. It is part of an ambitious and revolutionary cycle of hundreds of wall paintings in the Arena Chapel in Padua, Italy. It was commissioned by a wealthy banker, Enrico Scrovigni, that narrates Old and New Testament stories culminating in Christ's passion. This painting is thus just one part of a much larger context, a spectacular visual narrative within which it generates its meaning. I would like to suggest to you, though, that the key to the image is found in a preceding panel, the resurrection of Lazarus, which the church commemorates on the Saturday before Palm Sunday. You know the story from John 11. Jesus arrives late to the home of his close friends, Mary and Lazarus, and Lazarus has already died. He's been dead for four days even. Mary tells Jesus that he's too late, that she knew that if he'd come when he was alive, Jesus could have saved him. Jesus even weeps. Jesus wept. 
perhaps the most powerful verse in the Bible, as Jesus himself identifies with our suffering, our grief, at the presence of death in the world, something that will only be intensified as he hangs from the cross and cries out to God in a few short days. We know what happens to Lazarus. Jesus calls him from the tomb, raising him from the dead. Only God could have done this miracle. This is not, however, what Mary, Martha, and those gathered around Lazarus expected Jesus to do at this moment, after he'd arrived late, after he'd wept. Isn't such weeping evidence of resignation? The text tells us that it is at this very moment that the religious authorities determined to kill him. They are given the visual evidence of Jesus' miracle-working power, and yet, seeing is not believing. And so it will be only a week later that God the Father will have to do the very same thing for Jesus that Jesus did for Lazarus. He will be as dead as Lazarus, in need as Lazarus was of the Father to raise him. And while Jesus' family and friends witnessed the event and seeing it with their own eyes, they too did not believe. They did not, could not believe the significance of Jesus' act and its significance not just for Lazarus, but for them. Seeing is not believing. But let's return to our original panel, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. What you see but don't fully understand, because you would only know it if you were in the chapel, is that Jesus' gesture of blessing is exactly identical to his gesture when he raises Lazarus from the dead. We see that gesture, but unless we can link it to the earlier panel, unless we can see more deeply, we miss its significance. And this is where I think Jado is remarkable, offering a theological insight in and through paint. He is making painting function as something more than merely visual, something perhaps that relates to the eye of our heart and perhaps is an embodiment of belief in paint. The blessing Jesus bestows on the crowd is in fact a call for resurrection, a resurrection from the dead. The hosannas of the people are ironic and fickle. They are easily deceived by appearances. And only a few days later, they'll be deceived by other appearances as they shout for his crucifixion in place of Barabbas. In short, those offering praises to Jesus are wrong about what they see and its significance. They are wrong because they expect this entry to be one of, triumph, of a triumphant king who will alleviate their suffering, who will bless them, address injustice, drain the swamp of corruption and collusion, perhaps even appoint the right Supreme Court justices. They are expressing their theologies of glory, as Luther would call them, those theologies that focus on power and beauty, all of what humanity values, 
all of what humanity sees as visual evidence of God's presence or absence. What they don't see, what they can't see, is that the triumph of Jesus, his triumphal entry, and God's triumph is the theology of the cross. It is the entrance of one whose fate is humiliation, weakness, and death. What they don't see is a body that would be broken for them, blood that will be spilt for them. All those crowded around Jesus are dead, as dead as Lazarus, but they don't know it. They don't need a benediction. What they need is a miracle. They need to be raised from the dead. Seeing is not believing. We too are dead men walking. Dead men and women walking. Even though all the visual evidence contradicts this. But do we really actually think we can offer God our Lenten asceticism, our Lenten pieties, our Easter bonnets, seersucker suits and polished shoes, and lavish Easter dinners, greeting Jesus on Easter Sunday with our brass ensembles while we sing the Hallelujah Chorus and think we're actually honoring him? Let's do all of these things and do them joyfully. But let's do them after spending this Lenten season remembering that the only praise we offer, the only praise that is pleasing to God, is a broken and contrite heart, as the psalmist says. And I might add, this is a sacrifice that no one sees. And yet, and yet Giotto's painting does help us see, if only to see differently, to see through the eyes of faith, through the eyes of men and women who are dead, who don't need fine-tuning, but need resurrection. They do help us to see, as if through a glass darkly, and only in part. It is a painting that bears witness to the theological truth that seeing is not believing. And yet, some paintings just might be more than what we see, more visible than our eyes of flesh are capable of seeing. Tomorrow, we will look at a visual image that offers a different perspective on seeing and believing with Caravaggio's famous painting, The Incredulity of Thomas, a painting that focuses on an event that the church celebrates the day after Easter. May God bless you on your Lenten journey. Thank you. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.